Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. You're listening to Absurdity with Ryan Becker the podcast where we embrace the absurdity of everything. From here, we can move conversations forward by learning how to communicate effectively, listen intently, and love patiently. Welcome to Absurdity. Hey guys, real quick, just before we get into today's, to today's conversation, I just want to let you know a quick trigger warning to those of you who are um, victims of abuse or otherwise. Uh, we do talk about rape. We talk about rape culture. We talk about abuse in this episode um, and, and, and even shootings. If you've been the victim of any sort of shooting or crime, um, we want to let you know just ahead of time, those things are going to come up. We get kind of specific on some details as well. Um, so please, if you have been the victim of abuse, um, we want to ask you to, to seek out help, seek out someone you can trust to, to talk to about it. Um, and if there's anything I can do to help, let me know as well. Um, but we just want to let you give you a heads up as you get into this episode. Some of it might be heavy if you've dealt with these things personally or known someone who has. And to anyone who we might have offended by talking about any of these topics or in anything we've said about these topics out of ignorance, please write to me, let me know so that I can correct it and avoid that in the future. Um, we want to do the best we can to communicate effectively. So thank you so much, guys. Um, and without further ado, here's uh, today's episode on victim shaming. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Absurdity. Really glad you're listening. So today uh, we have a very special episode. And actually for the next few weeks, uh, we're going to have a special episode because uh, we're recording this on Easter weekend, and I have taken the weekend off. I know it's weird a pastor took Easter off, um, but it's a kind of a prearrangement I have with my churches. And I have a very special guest who I'm staying with as I traveled up to Berrien Springs, Michigan. And you all know this friend uh, very well. He's been on quite a few times to the point that his name's no longer even in the title. And that is Tony Anoboli. Yeah, I don't, I don't, what's up guys? I don't know whether to feel honored or miffed and, and slightly hurt. Like, oh no, he took it off. Or like, well, that's fair. I've been on to the point that now I, I don't, I'm just a part of it. Yeah, you're just, so you're it's just like a being part of absorbed into the greater one. I mean, in, in all fairness, as awkward and kind of weird as that sounds, you're not the one who 
is spending their vacation yeah, in this Berrien is true. Springs, Michigan. No, this this is very true. This is very very true. <laughs> you know, the real vacation that, if, getaway. If, if you really think about it, like, and this is the most. It should be the most understandable week for a pastor to take off. Like everything around you is kind of leaning towards a churchy religious kind of atmosphere like this and Christmas should be the ones like, yeah, go ahead, take a vacation, go. Cause this, this is happening. And instead it's the one that you have to, you have to be there for Easter. Why? You're already talking about Jesus <laughs> the other all the time. Weeks. You don't well, need that would be the here hope, for right? this one. Yeah. Well, the other half of it though, is that Easter, well, the holidays are the time of the year that the people who don't go to church, of course, they all do. show so you get that for, one chance. Yeah. To really bring yeah. But yeah. when I have a two church district, no matter what, one of them will be missing me. It's a anyway, lot easier, yeah. So I can. It's easier to say, all right. Well, well, it was the no same. One, it's fair. Yeah, no, everyone gets the yeah. same amount of me on yeah. on Easter. So it's there, there's enough of Ryan to go around. There's yeah, enough love it, in the bucket. Well, clearly there's not enough because I'm not there. That's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I guess that's um, true. So what we're doing this weekend is while I'm up here, we're going to. I mean, we're having fun. We're having a good time up here, yeah. in as much as you can in Berrien Springs, Michigan. Uh, there's no bitterness in that at all. You have to be uh, intentional about it. Throughout the weekend that I'm here, we're going to be recording quite a few episodes. And so um, I'm really excited about this because it means that uh, you get us both in HD quality. And unless my microphone or his microphone records weird like they have in the past. Hopefully they don't. Yeah, hopefully they don't. But we're really excited. And uh, today's topic, uh, we're going to just jump right in. It's something that we've seen a lot of uh, happening in politics and, and in the world today. But this really actually happens a lot in the church as, as well, uh, and that is victim shaming. Victim shaming is terrible. It is the worst. It's not the worst, uh, but it's it's up there. It's up there. It's it's, it, it's up there. <laughs> if, if if somebody was doing the top ten worst things that we do unintentionally, like this would definitely make that list. Yeah, and that actually that's what I find so interesting about victim shaming. We'll we'll jump into this a little later, but that it most of the time that it happens. It is unintentional. Yeah, oh, definitely. Most of the people that victim shame usually don't know that they're victim shaming. That's kind of what I've learned. No, for sure. And and it's not just that they're ignorant about it. It's they're not even aware that it's in the universe. Oh, know? yeah. You know, for like sure. the, the, there's a difference between like I'm aware that I am not doing math right now, but I'm also aware <laughs> that math exists and what I find is a lot of people they don't even they don't even know what that is, which is why we're like we got to talk about this. We got to bring this up. Yeah. Um, what? Do, okay. So before we kind of get going with that breakdown for a lot of people, because that's such an issue and such a problem, like what is victim shaming? Yeah. Like what is victim shaming? And so that can we have this baseline to kind of go off of that we yeah. all kind of understand in a very broad sense? Now I will say there's probably some aspects of this that I don't even understand, and I've and I've said this before. I don't think we've ever approached any of these topics trying to be experts necessarily, yeah. but simply um, trying to model how we can have some conversations and have some sort of starting place uh, with some of this. So I, uh, I'm not an expert in anything outside of 80s movies quotes and uh, haystacks. Those are my two. There's a very specific <laughs> like order. stacks of hay or the food? No, the food. Okay. The food. I am uh, not a farmer. For my non-Adventists out, the, out there. That's uh, a taco salad. It's it, Someone is going to write in and get real mad about that. It's a taco Uh, salad. There's a specific order. (laughs) So Adventist was personally offended. Okay. There's a specific order. Um, But victim shaming, I guess I would define on a base level, is is basically any form of blaming the victim or making the victim feel at fault uh, for something a perpetrator did. So putting the focus of a crime or a an event, abuse, anything like that, any situation on um, the victim and in any ways that the victim contributed to 
um, the playing out of that crime. Um, and it kind of ignores the perpetrator or um, un- in, unintentionally seeks to pardon the perpetrator in, in some way, shape, or form because it, it, it relieves them of some of the responsibility um, for why they did something or for what happened. Um, so that, that's kind of how I would define victim shaming. Um, and I think that's a kind of a solid level. It's basically putting the focus on the victim for the cause of the crime. It's, it's a, you know, kind of use a quick example. It's if somebody broke into your house, um, and someone comes up and just says to you, man, you really should have put more locks on your door. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, yeah, like I was, you know. Oh, because because that was a thing for me is just to, to let me intentionally leave, you know, my locks not all done because I want somebody to break in. And that's the point is that it puts shame on the victim for saying this was your fault. Yeah. Um, you you caused this by being negligent or irresponsible or whatever. And we see this um, we see this in, in several different ways. But I, I, I want to give um, I want to give an example for this, because oftentimes it is a victim shaming usually comes from a good and well-intentioned place. In other words, victim shaming usually happens from the perspective of how can we prevent this from happening again? So in the case of, the, in the example you just used, and all analogies fall short at some point. Right, right. But, yeah. but, but in the example you just used, um, the person that I'm talking, the person that you're talking to, if you say to your friend, I got bro- my house got broken into, they're trying to think of, okay, that sucks. How can we keep it from happening again? Well, you should have you should have had more locks. You know, you won't remember or you won't forget to lock your lock your doors or yeah. you won't put a chain. You yeah, know, put, you'll do something more to around. prevent it. Most of the time that victim shaming happens or victim blaming happens um, is usually coming from a well-intentioned place. Um, but intent does not um, what what validate not validate but intent does not justify excuse. Yeah, yeah, excuse. It, doesn't justify. It, doesn't, it doesn't justify yeah. it. it i'm just saying and i, I want to acknowledge that for what it is it's usually coming from a well-intentioned place it's kind of that guy mentality you know you know guys try to fix everything yeah that's it's kind of that same place for sure um except women do that too they, they, uh, in, this, in, in this in this category. context for sure yeah for sure and 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 beyond that there are some malicious people who do that um but oh, most of the pain that happens um comes from people that don't have like bitter hatred in their hearts they're not looking at this person going how dare they they're like well let's try to improve the situation or um you know they're trying to bring what they think is a helpful perspective Mm. and and the problem is they're not helping so that's kind of why we're even talking about it is to be like hey don't do this. Yeah, thing. how can we how can we be more productive? Yeah. And usually and here's what I find interesting. Usually there's there's some aspects of victim shaming that are that are technically true. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you did have more locks, someone wouldn't have broken in. It, but that doesn't it, yeah. mean it's like that doesn't mean that it's okay for someone to break in just because you don't have enough locks. Does that make sense? Like the point is not to add pain to the situation. Correct. Yes. If they had more locks, it probably wouldn't have happened, but that's not going to help the situation right now. Yeah. Exactly. It doesn't, um, and, it doesn't, and, it's kicking them when they're down. And this is another point that, I mean, we could do a whole podcast over is unasked for advice. Um, <laughs> it's fun. It's so like many times. Top three pet peeves right there. Uh, and I have, I have been guilty of this as a pastor, and I have tried to be very, very intentional um, as a minister and even as a friend to not give unintentional advice. I have a, fr- a good friend of mine that went through a horrible time in his life and... Um, 
I am so glad that I learned that lesson because I became so much more intentional mm. about not trying to fix him and help him. And unless he came to me asking for help, I did not go to him and be like, here's how you fix this. Yeah. I just was like, yeah, dude, that sucks. You know, yeah. you're just being there. Um, because if I didn't ask you for advice, why are you giving me advice? Yeah. I'm not giving you permission to do that. Um, and maybe that's a cultural thing. Maybe that's a millennial thing. But again, I just go back to don't 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 give me advice that I did not ask for, because a I might be better at this than you are just because I'm younger at most times. And this is not always, but most times, a lot of times it's older, more mature, shall we say, persons that try to be helpful again same kind of thing and it's like dude you're not helping i know i know i went to school for this i've done this for you know many many years you're not better at this than i am don't give me advice unless or, you and, ask and, for it and usually in some of those cases it's like you're not telling me anything new yeah you're like, not i know what you're saying that doesn't make like knowledge does not automatically um get rid of pain yeah knowing like this is this is what gets me like um, people talk about closure. I think closure is dangerous in and of itself. That's a different topic, but I actually think closure is completely bogus. Episode 196. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Um, but, um, you know, when my dad died, knowing why he died, knowing the cause of it did not make me feel better about. Now, granted, there are some things that would have made me feel worse to know if he had died in certain ways, whatever. He died of a heart attack, right? Yeah. But if he had, if he had died from suicide or murder or torture or whatever. Yeah, sure. There are things that would have made me feel worse, but knowing why he died did not make me feel better because he's still dead. Like that doesn't, it doesn't change it. I know that's a real heavy example, but it's like just knowledge and you telling me something that I may cognitively know fully if my heart hasn't accepted it, if I'm not there yet, I just need you to be with me till I get there. I yeah. need you to, to be with me until my heart catches up with my mind. And by, and by the way, I had to do, um, I had a few friends. I didn't. I wasn't uh, participating in the funeral service, but I've had friends who've had situations like that happen, and people come up to them, again, trying to be quote unquote helpful. And I'm not being sarcastic, um, but they literally would say things like, "Your dad died of a heart attack." These people, similar situation. They well, if they just didn't need so much salt, you know. Oh, it it yeah. would be so nice if they. Oh man, it's just so sad that this happened. It's like, well, now you're the the, the person bringing pain. So if you, you know, you almost want to kind of bring it back to them and be like, oh, man, and if you just shut your mouth, I'd have felt not as bad. You know, you know um, nothing makes me want to stop talking to someone faster than if they tell me, like, um, you know, you don't want to end up like your dad. Yeah. Nothing makes me angry. Like, there are a few things that make me angry in the moment. And I'm usually slow to anger, and I usually won't show it. Um, but I will be fuming when someone tells me something like that or tries to explain away my dad's death by yeah. doing something like for sure. That's, if I have not given you permission to speak into that area of my life, if you're just coming up to me to tell me that, whatever, like, no, stay out. And, um, or ask permission. Like, hey, I've really been thinking about something with, with your dad. Is it okay if I, if I tell you, it, you may come across his advice, whatever. Give me some warning at least. But, but to just speak into an area of my life that I may not have given you permission to, like. Don't do that because you could do this way. Like, hey, 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 whoa. Again, that's that's unintentional victim yeah. So to kind of talk about that, um, I know you kind of have an example. I don't know how much you want to share about that, but like sometimes it's warranted to help people see it, but it's it, it doesn't help when you point something out to somebody in a in a very 
jerk way. J- jerk way. Yeah, I'm trying <laughs> to think way. about a, a nice way to, to summarize <laughs> that. And very not just judgmental because we all judge, but like in a very pointed, condescending way. I think that's a great word. Yeah. To be so condescending and to kind of come from a, a moral high ground, um, that's going to make somebody defensive. And I know you kind of went through something similar recently. And it's just like, dude, there has to learn better ways to do that because we do victim shaming, uh, uh, trying to help and it ends up causing more pain and people get more bitter and more defensive yeah. and they, they dig in deep. So, so my thing was, um, a little bit different. Um, and it's slightly, it was a different example for a kind of a different purpose, but it fits still. Um, but basically the idea is that victim shaming, I, I think personally, I tend to think that victim shaming should be, we should start treating it the same way we kind of are starting to deal with racism and sexism, which is understanding that most people, when they say racist remarks, um, a lot of them don't realize they're being racist or they're being sexist. Like a lot of it happens accidentally. And so you have to tell them like, oh, you didn't realize, but that's actually racist. You yeah. may not have known, you were yeah. ignorant, whatever. So I'm Microaggressions. You. Yeah, microaggressions. And, and victim shaming is the same way because you often don't realize you're doing it. So to give an example, um, this actually happened earlier on the day that I'm recording, we're recording this. Um, I posted about a, an opportunity um, to intern at my churches in my church district. And originally when I was, you know, early in the process, just thinking like, yeah, I'll just have someone come out, use my spare bedroom at my apartment and come out for the summer and, and, um, and intern with my churches. And yeah, learn, great learning experience. Shadow, yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure. Well, if I'm going to do that, I, I'm single, live alone, whatever, which means that automatically if someone's going to room with me, they have to be a guy. Like it's the only way that that ends up being appropriate. Ethically and. <laughs> yeah, all that good yeah. stuff. So, um, so I posted on Facebook just to gather some interest because I'm, still kind of in the process of figuring out if it's something we can do. And I wanted to know if anyone would even want to do it. If I, I'm not going to put in all this work for nothing. Right. So, but a female in uh, looking to go into ministry responded with interest. And I had, um, and I said, unfortunately it's for males only and explain, I still described what the internship would be for details and, and whatever. But I was like, because someone would be living with me, that's that. Well, someone else commented, jumped in and, and, and basically said, this is a textbook example of systemic sexism because when the, when the field is mostly for men, um, most of the opportunities are, are men are for men only. And I was like, well, this is part of it. And every part of every, this is, this is what every, so everyone who gives into racism or, or sexism accidentally kind of says, but th- that wasn't my intention. Um, instead I just said, you know what? I agree. You're right. It is. And I didn't realize that I didn't think it through enough that, Hey, I could actually, um, I could actually just find somewhere else for, yeah. Them to stay. So I changed it completely. I just hadn't thought it through enough. I just hadn't spent enough time, but it was an accidental moment where I perpetuated systemic sexism and I didn't backpedal. I didn't delete the comments. I didn't say, I, you know, I, I owned up to it. Um, and I'm not trying to say like, Oh, I'm so great for doing that. I'm just saying like, it was an accidental moment. I genuinely didn't mean to, it's not like I didn't want a woman for this position. It was, I was just like, Hey, this is super easy to do. I no. don't like, I can handle it. I've got a spare room, no problem, whatever. But that means it has to be a guide. It wasn't, there's no intentional like, oh, I got to block women from this, um, but it was a fair comment. I it was a blind, it was a moment of blindness for me, and I think victim shaming is very similar to that. Yeah, where um, we need to treat it is most people who do it don't realize they're doing it. Um, some do. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll some, get to that in a second. Some do, yeah. uh, but but most people don't realize they're doing it, and um, we need to be gentle and calling people out and calling them to accountability and just say, yeah. hey, no, actually, this is harmful for. X, Y, and Z reasons. But that never works if you're calling out strangers. It only works if you're calling out friends, people who you have given permission yeah. to speak into your life. Yeah. Like that's, 
So yeah, that's the example that Tony was asking about. Well, you know, it's interesting because the most common place that we see this is usually when it involves rape culture. Um, for some reason, and again, you know, my peeps listening to this, I don't know where your politics are at. I don't really care where your politics are at f- to an extent because I think that we should be above that as Christians. Yeah. However, I will say this. If your politics are racist. Yeah, like, whatever, like, what, okay, what, what, what cracks me up is there are some politicians that they look at rape culture and they go, well, it's, you know, there's totally her. She needs to dress better and everything. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Rape isn't about attraction. Rape is about power. And we need to be very, very careful about victim shaming because in the in the, in that rape culture um, and molestation culture, um, it, it's very easy to do that. And you look at the '70s and '80s in Boston, and what happened there. And people go, "Well, how did this happen?" And I go, "Because of victim shaming." I mean, that's we don't think of it as that big of a deal, but I go, "The reason why these these church." leaders were allowed to do what they did is because people didn't talk about it because it was the boy's fault because it wasn't the perpetrator I mean, and it was the girl's fault yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It wasn't the perpet- yeah well well in this in this case it was the, it was the boys but okay. but the little you know it was the victim oh, it was the yeah, victim's yeah, fault yeah, yeah. same in the in a rape scenarios you know it's their fault or they wore a skirt or they got drunk at a party and i go no no no, no. none of that excuses it because if i see a bag of cash lying on the freeway Taking that cash is still stealing. Correct. Breaking into, like, if I enter into someone's house without their permission, it's still, it's still trespassing. Trespassing. If like, I take someone's stuff, that's stealing. If I, if I, you know, these, it, it's not on the person. Now, for them, should they avoid those situations? Yes. And we were talking about this earlier. My brother made a really good point. He goes, this is the world that we live in. You know, don't walk, you know, if, you know, our sister, like, I actively discourage her from jogging towards dusk and night. Not because I don't think she should or have the right to or or shouldn't exercise. None of that. But because I'm like, this is the world that we live in. We have to acknowledge that fact and go, this is a dangerous world. It's not my sister's fault that that happens. And far be it for me to ever put that on her if something horrible were to happen to her god forbid but even doing the best you can that still happens that does not excuse the person who is the rape in other words encouraging encouraging everyone to have locks on their doors is just acknowledgement of the world that we live in but when someone gets their house broken into we don't look at we shouldn't look at them and say it's your fault because your locks weren't good or whatever and 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 it's it's the criminal's fault by the way and we also associate rape culture always with women this happens with men a lot too Uh, it's even it's worse it's not worse with men the reason i i i stuttered on that was because it's it's a different level with it's a different it's, level it's, it's completely just, different and i don't mean above or below i mean horizontally it's a different it's just a different level and it's a different it's a completely different aspect environment atmosphere whatever um the accusations are, are leveled differently and it's harder to get acknowledged because well masculinity yeah of course you know and there's this idea of oh well you wanted it you know you want you yeah you, men you wanted, wanted yeah, it yeah you, you know you wanted it, it. um and again that's just ridiculous you know to me you have to separate physiological Functions and, and we're not going to get too deep into this, but you have to separate physiological functions from consent. 
Yeah. Just because there's nerve endings doesn't. That's exactly it. Like, it. It's not. It, if you rub the my head, my scalp, I fall asleep. That does not give you permission to do that. Okay. This is. I mean, I'm, and I'm putting out a secret. I'm being vulnerable on here. <laughs> uh, this is my. This is my. My weakness. My Achilles heel. Uh, I, you rub my scalp, man. I fall asleep immediately. And you're lucky it, I can't reach you right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Lucky no, we're just far enough. That's away. why I'm a little bit worried now, but. <laughs> That's just the reality, and you have to be able to separate. And that's a silly example, obviously. Um, and and but see, to me, that it, the other thing that gets ridiculous, and this is where I've seen the most intentional. Because again, with the rape culture, you get some intentional maliciousness with that. But again, a lot of it is just people trying to help. They're trying to help the victim and say, "Well, don't you know? Don't get drunk at parties and do that." You know, and I actively told friends of mine who I knew would would go to parties and get you know drunk i'd say please don't you know for my sake don't and they go why and i go because you you get vulnerable this happens you have a right to own your body exactly so even even if even if someone or even if you don't take all of the necessary steps to to protect it does not mean it's your fault that someone crossed a boundary and stepped in and violated your right. That is exactly it. Like that, like you still have the right to your body. Yep. I have, (laughs) it's like the bathroom. Like I, I have the right to privacy and, and and, well, in your own personal bathroom, apparently arguable in your own personal Uh, bathroom. Yeah. But someone, you know, someone busts in, like I don't want them to bust in. And just, even if I didn't lock the door, if there's someone in there, don't go in there. Yeah. Like this isn't, I have not given you permission. Yeah. This is not rocket science. And where the place where I have seen, and especially now, and we need to be very careful about doing this again, I'm not talking about secular culture. I'm talking about Christian culture because I've seen this in the church. We need to be very careful when talking about this in regards to shootings. I have seen a lot of Christians come out, especially about the recent shootings that have been going on in Parkland and different things. Um, well, they should have been nicer to uh, the guy. Uh, I can sense you. I can sense you going. Uh, <laughs> Becker, take take it away. Take it away. I can. I can, You need to see his face right now. <laughs> this. I'm going to use the the like the leftist term. This triggers me so hard right now. Snowflake. I, 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 I'm so. Actually, one of my one of my physical therapists calls me snowflake because of it. Not even because politically, it's because of just an inside joke we have about snow. Oh, I was going to say but, because you're so white. <laughs> no, it's. <laughs> I walked in. I walked into the office on, a, on the morning that I my consultation for my lower back, and I walked just walked in like two minutes ago. I was filling out paperwork, and then all of a sudden the office manager comes running out. She's on the phone and with her mom, and her mom's like, "It's snowing outside," and she's like, "It's not snowing outside." And then she looks out the window. She's like, "Oh, it is," and I was like, "You're a liar." <laughs> because I was just outside and it wasn't, it was sunny. It was sunny outside. Wow. And then I look outside and I'm like, oh, you're not a liar. It was actually snowing was in snowing. South Carolina in March. Like, I was just like, what, what is it? So she calls me snowflake now. It's just an inside joke every time I go. That's hilarious. No, okay. Victim, the victim shame when it comes to Parkland shooting is the most annoying thing because to put the responsibility of kids to take care of the mental health of those around them is absolutely ridiculous to me. I, I try not to take hard stances on the podcast a lot, but this one really, like this one gets under my skin. Yes, absolutely kids should be nice to each other. I've been a victim of bullying. Others have been a vict- victims of bullying and, and absolutely bullying can, can create monsters. It really can. Don't get me wrong. Um, but we actually have evidence that Nicholas Cruz and, and some others were were actually decently well treated or at least well accepted among some people. And there was actually an article, I think, in the New York Times, if I can find it, I'll link it in the in the show notes, 
um, of someone saying, I was nice to Nicholas Cruz and he still shot my classmates. Like there yeah, are some yeah, mental course, problems yeah. that are not solved by simple, by people simply being nice. Like there's, that's absolutely insane to not insane. That's a strong word. It's, it's, it's ridiculous to me to say it's, that just, just dare we say absurd. It's absurd. That's yeah. <laughs> there you go. We just said the name of the movie in the movie. Uh, everyone freaked out. Meta. <laughs> uh, but it's, it is ridiculous to me. It's absurd to me um, to say that just being kind is somehow the cure to all mental illnesses and, and issues that people have. Um, that's not true. And to say that these kids, it's their fault for not being nice enough to someone. Um, what is nice enough? What if someone, because of their so because they're a sociopath or a psychopath, whatever, uh, clinically, not just like oh that person's a psychopath. Yeah, no, not as a label as no, like a no, as like clinically. If someone is if someone is actually messed up, then what's nice enough to them? Putting them on cloud nine and treating them like a king every time or a queen every time they walk in. The, no, most male sh- most shootings have been done by men. Actually, I think all of them have been. In, in there, schools. There have been a couple. In schools. I think there have been a couple that were female. Um, I don't know of any off the top of my head. But yeah, do I treat him like a king or a queen now just so I don't get shot? And, 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 and secondly, okay, great. Now suddenly all of the, the quote-unquote losers in school, all the kids that get bullied, now suddenly everyone's nice to them because now they're afraid of them? Like what message are you sending by instructing kids to be nice to each other out of fear? Like it, 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 it is just so... It gets under my skin so much to say that it's the kid's fault. Now, yes, absolutely, kids should be nicer to each other. Bullying should not be a thing. Like, kids should be nicer to each other. Schools should handle it better. Zero tolerance policies are the dumbest things I've ever heard of. Um, like, absolutely, kids should be nicer to each other. And that, and by kids being nicer to each other, yes, there might actually be a couple kids that don't end up shooting people. Um, sure, why not? I, You know, that's one of those, like, impossible to measure stats right yeah you know how but, do you measure a thing that didn't, <laughs> didn't happen, happen. Yeah. yeah exactly but um it, it, this it is was a, like it's, suicide, it's like suicide prevention stuff like it's so hard to say how you know how, how is it effective or not i mean you have to have personal testimonies yeah. otherwise it's like well they didn't do something which so is then funny because it's the anecdotal of, evidence yeah. anecdotal evidence usually isn't included in yeah, empirical right? yeah. studies and it's like you can't you <laughs> so, can't measure that yeah and and, and so there, it's absolutely kids should be nicer to each other but it's one facet of a very of a multi-pronged problem and solution and to act like kids being nicer to each other is going to fix everything is ridiculous same with saying that arming all teachers or otherwise like that on its own is not going to do anything either. Like, and, and that again infers that it was to, to a lesser degree. And I get that this is all political and wherever you stand on the firearms question, uh, you know, the way that it's being defended in this instance. And, and it's just in my mind, again, absurd. However, I, I just feel like when we talk about arming them, we're kind of blaming the teachers too. Like we're like, well, you know, if they had guns, they wouldn't have died. You know, one of the interesting things is at the University of Virginia, when that went all down, there was a Auschwitz survivor, I believe. I know it was Holocaust. I think it was Auschwitz who died because he barricaded the door. And I think that what really bugs me the most about all of this is that those types of sacrifices get lost because we talk about, well, if they had a gun, if they had a gun, it doesn't matter if they have a gun because it happens so fast. It's very hard to react. I mean, six minutes is not a lot of time. 
And if you have to get a gun out and do it, yes, maybe some would, but that survivor was one, that that teacher was one of the first ones, and that act of selflessness really it it made a difference it really did help but again i go back to it's not his fault it's not the teacher's fault for not having guns don't blame them and say well if you arm them it'll help the problem no 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 no. the teachers are doing everything they can well you hope that teachers are doing everything they can to protect their students well and on top of that it's one more thing to blame when you know if if i arm a teacher and they fail to use their gun in a situation Oh, great. Now it's that teacher's fault for not shooting. And that's we, exactly we it. Did the that. responsibility is not yeah. on the teacher. It's not on the victim. Yeah. And again, I'm, we're not getting into should we or should we not arm should them? We not, what we're talking about is the conversation needs to not put this on the victims. Absolutely. That is not helping the situation. It's not bringing healing. And again, I can't change the secular world. I'm a Christian. The kingdom that I serve is not of this world. So I'm not going to talk about that. I'm definitely talking about as Christians. That's the language we need yeah. to use. Or we talk about uh, abuse is another one, um, especially marital abuse, physical abuse, where we talk about victim shaming. And we say, well, it's, it's the woman or the man's fault for not for not leaving, right? Like, okay, so for, for if a male is being abused, we say, you're just not being a man of the house. Like, oh, you, yeah, that, it's not really you. Um, so we say, that's... You know that uh, you are you're the man of the house, so you should step up, and you're just not being masculine enough, whatever. And for women, we say, "Oh, well, you should leave." Do you understand? Like, it's it's ignorant to say you should just leave if an entire if a woman's entire life is kind of wrapped up in this home finances. Where are they going to go? How much support are they going to need? I was listening. I was reading a story of a of a girl who left an abusive or a woman who left an abusive marriage, and her and her family her kids, they left, were struggling, basically couch surfing for eight or nine months before they finally were able to figure something out. And that's scary because just to, just to say, oh, just leave and go where? Um, because there's, um, because, and this is, this is going to be the segue that I use here, um, because right now um, we tend to, and this is especially true in the church, um, uh, we have what's known as perpetrator bias. We, yes. we tend to side with the perpetrator. This is especially true in church politics, and I think it's disgusting. It happens in Adventism. It happens in every Christian denomination out there um, where we tend to side with the perpetrator. We say, oh, well, he could never do that. Or, or you know, so if I, if, if I as a woman leave and I go stay with my parents, for example, and they love my husband and I tell them, oh, all of this stuff, honey, are you, are you sure? Are you, are you sure that that's what's happening? Are you, you know, you didn't do anything to cause this. What? Um, there's fear, there's unknown, and that fear is crippling and paralyzing. Better to stay in something that I know is predictable than to walk out into the unknown and risk my life and the life of, lives of my kids. And it, and it's kind of like the anecdote, especially when it comes to church things of the the frog in the in the boiling water. You toss a frog in boiling water, it gets out. You know, if if <clears throat> abusive situations started with beating someone until they were almost dead, they probably wouldn't be there. It starts with small things and, and escalates to the point that they really can't tell the difference. Yeah. Um, and, and their cycle of abuse, like there's a whole thing and that's why victim shaming for abuse. And in the church, we get this a lot. Um, and we're going to talk about some of the other things we do because there's a whole mess that we do there, but we do this a lot with abuse victims where we kind of say that and it's in its ignorance of the cycle and it's not helping them. What we need to do is, is, is just open their eyes. And this is what cops do. This is what psychologists do and go, this is going to get worse. He's going to end your life. This is not going to get better. 
he is doing this or she is doing this to you and it's going to continue to escalate. It's going to escalate slowly, but it's going to keep going. You need to be able to step back and love yourself and your kids enough to say this is not healthy. And love them enough, by the way, because here's the thing in that situation. When you blame the victim, you deny healing to the perpetrator because they're not going to get any better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and and I think, too, just to just to really clarify on the fear of the unknown thing, um, it's um, it's really easy when you know that abuse is predictable, right? It, like if I've been in an abusive relationship for years, I know the cycle. I've survived it for years, yeah. so I can survive it again. I don't know that I've, I'm going to survive leaving. I've never had to leave with kids before. Of course. I've never had to be on my own with kids before. Oh, I depend on his income and his health. What if I'm on his health insurance? Or her, yeah. Or her, her yeah, yeah, or her. Yeah. I'm saying if I'm the woman. His or her, yeah. yeah but we're, it's, we're it's, men, so we're going to use sure, yeah. female understanding because but, we're not abusers, but understand, we, we understand this yeah. is a his, her What I'm saying is, situation. so that, fear, that yeah. fear is absolutely crippling, and I don't blame anyone for, for dealing with of and struggling not. with that fear. But there are those who do, unfortunately. So. And most, I have a good, good, one of my exes, I have to be careful, because um, the internet is all pervasive. But one of my exes was in an abusive relationship for a long time. And one of the things he did, and one a lot do, is they eliminate potential escape routes mm-hmm. um, so that you are truly tracked in. You know, they pay for my phone. They pay for all the. I don't have anywhere to go, and they are doing that so that they are in control. And and not all, not all, but definitely quite a few. It's it's and that's so it makes it that much harder again. So when we talk to them and just and shame them, and then we talk about why they don't. It's absurd to say. Now that's all we're going to say. It's absurd to say, oh, well, why don't more victims come up and speak up? When no one's listening. On one, you know, we say that out of one corner in our mouth and then out of the other corner of our mouth, we're like, well, why didn't you just leave? Well, because <laughs> you're saying that right now. Because if someone came up and said, I have a bad situation, we have not established protocols and issues well enough. We've not been intentional enough to be able to do that. And now I think as a society, we're getting better. But I think as a church... We still kind of treat it that way. No, we just move the perpetrator. And then we spiritually shame quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's amazing to me when somebody leaves the church um, or or has a bad situation happen to them or whatever, how much pain we can cause by by just clucking our tongues and going, because ah, they left the church. You know, it just, oh, and they're not in the church anymore. And it's like, that's not their fault. Like when, when something bad happens to them on the flip side of that though, and this is interesting when something bad happens and instead of victim shaming, you support, you can bring an intense amount of healing um, to everyone. One of, in that whole situation, one of my best friends his brother was in a, an accident, a horrible accident, was in the hospital, needed multiple, so almost lost his life. He had left, the, the, both the brothers had left the church, and it was the reaction of the local church in coming back and supporting the brother, um, supporting, and, and the accident was totally, it wasn't like it, he was at fault, it was his fault, um, 
to a degree. I mean, it's an accident he wasn't planning for it, but it was easily avoided. And they didn't talk about that. They didn't judge. They didn't victim they shame. They didn't terrible. bring any of that. They just supported. They gave him a big hug in, in all different, you know, the supported them with food, with visitations, with how can we help, you know, can we help financially, all the kinds of things to the point that my friend ended up coming back to the church, a church he had left and was very angry and bitter towards because of that. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that to me, why we need to talk about victim shaming, not just because of the damage we can do, but because if we learn to flip the script, I think we can be so much more effective as as ministers, as Christians, um, the church can be what it needs to be, which is the yeah. point that that we're. Tr- I mean, we're trying to bring healing, aren't we? Well, and if you think if you think the Bible doesn't even speak on this too, the oldest book of the Bible, not the first book, the oldest book of the Bible, to, is literally almost thirty chapters of straight victim shaming, and that's yep. Job. Just go read Job real quick, and you'll find out that his friends they do. The, my favorite moment is all scripture is when they when they see him in Job. I think chapter two. And um, that's my favorite moment. I can't even remember the actual verses. Uh, it's but somewhere they, in they there, come across him. They see him. They don't even recognize him. He's sitting on the ashes of his entire life. His wife has left him, everything. They, and they sit with him for seven days and seven nights in total silence. Best moment in all of scripture, in my opinion, aside from death, resurrection. Um, and then they ruin it by opening their big mouths and basically saying, you caused this. You did some sin that you haven't talked about or confessed, and this is your fault. For God, God did this because you deserve the punishment. And they, they spend and, and 30 again, chapters doing this. <laughs> and again, it's with the intent of helping him. They're like, hey, we, you know, we can you bring confess, an end to this. We can fix this. And he's like, guys, I'm telling you, I didn't. I didn't do this. And they're like, no, 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 no. We, you can't lie to us, man. We see the truth, man. We see past the, the lies. Yeah. And, and again, it's, that's the point of victim shaming. It's like that, they might have been right. They weren't in that context, but they might have been. But that didn't, bring, that didn't help the situation. No, not at all. I think, um, you know, one of the, the, the most famous example of perpetrator bias right now out there um, is Andy Savage, pastor out in Tennessee. Um, I think Tennessee. I could be wrong. I think it's Texas. Maybe it was Texas. I forget where he's at, but you can, you can easily Google this story because it's ongoing. Andy Savage. Andy Savage. He um, apparently 20 years ago, over 20 years ago now, um, was a youth pastor. And so this happened in ministry and he was with, he was taking a girl home, I think from a youth event or 10 or two and they pulled off into the woods and basically uh, forced her to, to perform sexual acts on him. Um, and he um, 20 years and he promised and made her promise not to tell anyone. So 20 years later, he's pastoring a, like a really nice church and she writes about this publicly and comes out about it. And um, in the well-meaning damage control that pastors try to do, he went up and, and spoke to and, and admitted to it in front of his congregation and said it was 20 years ago as a different person. And I think he even argued at one point that it was consensual to some extent, but it's never consensual in a power relationship. <laughs> like I, I just, if it's a power relationship, youth pastor, child, that's a power relationship. Um, but or, uh, or even just a pastor and their congregant, their member. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's a, that's a, yeah. yeah. It's one thing if it's a committed relationship and they get married, that's not, that's yeah, no longer yeah, that's a power a diff- dynamic. Completely but, different story, but they were not in a relationship. Yeah, if you're just hooking up, point. that's you, it's you, yeah, uh, abusing your power for sexual favors. And, um, yeah, so he comes up, he comes out to his congregation about all of this, admits to it, and basically says, I'm no longer that man. I, I'm better and clearly I'm pastoring you guys and everything's been successful. The Lord has really blessed me, all this, and basically acts like it's all in the past. And his church gives him a standing ovation for it. Um, and 
once again, siding with the perpetrator. This man had not apologized to her that I know of at the time. He had not acknowledged how wrong this was. He even tried to explain it away to some extent. And instead of acknowledging her pain and her hurt and saying, you're right, I messed up, said he said, yeah, sure, but I'm not that person anymore, so it doesn't matter. Like, your pain is irrelevant now because I'm a different person, and somehow there's a statute of limitations on sin, I guess. But, um, well, eventually the church did a, a, a further investigation into it, and he resigned recently, and now has finally, uh, to his credit, has finally started saying, like, I was wrong to put the focus on me instead of putting the focus on the victim. However, I said to his credit, um, I have to take some of it back because it came late. That should have been the first reaction, not... The second. Well, and we um, were, and we were, you know, even if it had been administrative leave, not full on resigning, like to 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 figure this out and take a year of reconciliation or what? You know, I don't know. I I don't know. Just just something uh, other than him putting the focus on him and and completely pivot. And then the church accepts that as perpetrate, and, and that's perpetrator bias. Of it's course. saying they could never do that because they're so and so and they're so great. They're a man of God. That the victim is lying. Look, I, and it is. Anybody is capable of anything. Okay, let's just throw that yeah. out there. There is not a per, there's not a person on this earth. If someone came up to me, I mean, I'm trying to think of the most sweet. I'm like, anybody's capable of anything. And there's a comedian who talks about this too. He talks about how like if someone came up and said my mom was you know a serial killer, he'd be like, you know, she doesn't like children. Sometimes she used to yell at me. Like anybody is capable yeah. of anything. And so I'm not saying be paranoid and go out and do it, but but just the idea of he could never. Yes, she could. Yeah, he could. We're humans. We are capable. Each one of us is capable of terrible and amazing things, both sides of that coin. So the issue that we talked about, you know, this came 20 years too late. Mm -hmm. That should have happened right away. And so when we talk about victim shaming, why did it take her 20 years to say this because that culture has been established. Mm -hmm. Who's going to listen? It's her word against his. That's exactly it. And I mean, you see this Larry Nasser up in in Michigan state and the U S gymnastics team. How many of those girls, thank God that they've come back from their lives, but how many of them had their lives ruined and told people. Mm -hmm. And yet we say, well, it's, ah, he's a doctor. Is he? Yes. But he made him feel uncomfortable, and that's not okay. And then one of them even brought this, and this to my shame as a Christian. She goes, I hate that I brought this, and I got no support from my church. Mm. And I go, church should be, and again, this is the reason why I'm here. I'm talking with Ryan. We're recording this down because church should be the place where we can be the most open and the most vulnerable and feel the most support instead of the place where we have to be the most perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And part of that is by opening it up and saying, we are no longer going to blame the victim for the actions of a person. We're going to bring healing into their life. We're going to bring healing into the life of the perpetrator by making sure they get justice. Yep. And, and honestly, what is, I think the statistic is like 80 or 90% of victims are all telling the truth. Like it's only like 10 to 20% that are lying about, about like abuse or whatever for attention. So to say like every single time, oh, they could be one of the 20%. Sure, I guess. But it's far more likely that they're the 80%. But somehow we're weighing the 20% as more because we don't want to. And I get it. You don't want to believe that about someone. you've of course if, it's, not. if it's your friend that's not. done it. And I have friends and, that are. And we that make are, mistakes. Yeah. 
Um, I have friends that are suffering because of poor choices they've made, and it hate and I hate to have learned this about them. I hate that I I know this about them. I hate that they to think that they they did it. I never wanted to believe it, but it's true. And that that's that's one of the hardest things to to understand and accept is that someone you love and care about and have only seen one side to suddenly has this dark side. Um, I it, it is so painful. Um, but if someone has caused pain to someone else, real pain like this whether it's abuse, whether it's a shooting, whatever, if they've caused significant trauma to someone else, the best way to bring healing to everyone, including the person that you love so much and don't want to believe this about, is to follow through on the process, the proper process of discipline, reconciliation, and um, putting them on a path to making things better. One of the stories I absolutely love that Jesus gives us the best example of how to not victim shame is in John 8, and I think you know where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. A woman is brought to him. Now, I will fully admit that this story does not appear in some of the earlier manuscripts, but to me, this is so in line with Jesus' character. I love sharing it. I have no absolute confidence in the story. A woman is brought to Jesus, been caught in adultery. Um, she's thrown at his feet. Jesus is put in a pickle. By the way, this woman is completely being objectified as just a tool to bring Jesus down. They Absolutely. don't care about her. It's a political toy. She, she's yeah, this is this is this Boy. is it has nothing to do with her or her life, her character. Nothing. This is just she's she's if this she's was about the infidelity devalued. or yeah. adultery, then they would have brought the guy in as well. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is exactly it. So they bring the woman, toss her at Jesus' feet, and say this woman was caught in adultery in the middle of the act of adultery. What do you say? The law says to stone her. What do you say? This is crazy. Jesus looks at the men who, in this case, would be the perpetrators, right? This case would be the people who are— They set her up, yeah. Yeah, they they set her up. And for those of you who who, are Adventists, Sister Watch, she says that the the people— in this group, actually, this was a sting operation specifically set up so that Jesus could do this. Um, they set her up. They are the perpetrators. They are the ones that are abusive in this in this context. What she did was wrong, but what they are doing is worse. And it's, a, again, a power relationship. Jesus looks at them, doesn't even say anything, just starts writing out their sins in the sand. Now the story says just writing in the sand, but but you know they, he starts writing in the sand. The implication is that- the implication that he was writing their sins, and then when they ask him, "Well, what do we do?" He goes, "Okay, let he who was without sin cast the first stone." Notice he is not saying she did not sin. He is not saying they were not right to bring her to him. He's not saying they were right. He's saying this is something bad. If you want to make this better, bring healing into your own life. Then, and again, you could talk about how significant it is that he wipes the sand away. You know, sand is not permanent. He wrote the commandments in stone. He wrote this in sand because you can just wipe that clean. Then he turns to the woman and says, woman, where are your accusers? She's like, they're not here. He goes, yeah, I don't accuse you either. Jesus does not victim shame her. Instead, he goes, now go and sin no He releases more. her from the victimization. He not only gives her power, 
not only validates her and accepts her and loves her, he says, now go and sin no more. Just like them, your sin is wiped away. Now go and sin no Knowing, more. And I don't remember, maybe he actually does this. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me it, or out of, be out of Jesus' character if he had taken off his robe and covered her with it. Because she was I naked. absolutely not. It does not say I, so in the story, but I, you, you get that so sense. That's 100% of believable. Like, of course. My thing is like, I, and I, I was kind of laughing because this, this thought crossed my mind. Can you imagine how absurd it would be for someone to come into a church and say, I was raped, and then we go, how dare you have premarital sex? Could he, okay, but, but here's the I, thing. I, you I'm know what? Sure you're you're joking happened. about that. I'm sure I that know is... of a story that where is... that happened, yeah, and they I'm brought sure. censure on her because that's how that's according to the church manual. That is absolutely insane to me. No, not rape, not rape, but the but they didn't believe her, and so then they they yeah, yeah they no, censured no, no. her. But, according but to I'm that. saying like yeah, yeah yeah the girl gets yeah. raped and we say uh, or a guy gets raped and we say you had premarital sex you're out like that what? actually happened. I, I actually know that's not yeah. a theory that happened. That's just crazy to me. I know the person. Um, you know, and and, and um, for those who actually don't know this, I learned this actually uh, yesterday on the way up here. Um, I was listening to a different podcast, the Liturgist podcast. They're talking about the human body. Name and drop. This is this is Michael Gunger from the band Gunger, yeah. uh, and he hosts this with a few other people. Hillary McBride, who is a um, counselor and um, kind of psychologist, mental health counselor, that kind of thing. And she, they talked about the um, there's this thing in masculinity that talks about the length of of a man's um, a man's genitals and the the size of it. Now we're all obsessed about it, even though science has shown that there's no link between pleasure of from that and um, the link is minimal at best. Basically, it's it's made up. And Hillary, when, when that's brought up, someone laughed about that. They're like, oh, guys are so obsessed about it. And she goes, yeah, because sex in the ancient world was about conquest. Mm-hmm. And what better way to show conquest than by something that is basically is the bigger your weapon, <laughs> yeah. the more effective you are at conquest. The better you are, the the man with the bigger sword wins the like that kind of that kind of thing. Yeah. And so, of course, that is carried now into our culture. Um, it's very very easy for us to perpetuate the victim shaming culture without realizing it, without understanding the history behind things, without understanding how things have happened in the past. Um, we end up. Um, victim shaming people where there absolutely is no reason to, um, and it's and it's sad. And I get that we we have good intentions for it, and I'm not trying to make you feel terrible for doing it. Of course, no. Yeah, I, this is I've about done bringing it. up awareness. You've yeah, done, we're, yeah, we're just talking yeah. about it. Like that's that's we're just talking about it. We've both done it, and I'm sure we'll do it again. Unfortunately, like, and I hope that the someone who I care about and who cares about me loves me enough to call me on it, like someone did about the um, systemic sexism example yep. I gave. Like someone called me out on it, and. I think, and and I hope I fixed it. I don't know for sure. Um, we'll find out when I made know. a mistake. I feel bad, but I'm hopefully won't do that again. Maybe I will. Is, I don't is know. This your, is this your confession right now? This is confessional. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I no, of course. I hope that we've brought some awareness to this um, to you, or maybe shed some light on this that you may not have thought of before. Um, I'm. This is something I'm working through too, and 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 it angers me, and I really don't want to see this happen to the Parkland students, especially. That's really what what sparked this topic in my mind was watching them being blamed for bullying or whatever. Yeah. And like again, that's ridiculous. You know, news media outlets on both sides of the coin, they're they're going to take it and and run with anything explosive because they're about getting money. But to me when we bring this into the church, it just has no place. To me, I go, okay, the world's going to do what the world's going to do. I'm here to try to change that, but I can only affect the church. 
Yeah. I can only affect my church family and that has no place there. Um, and again, you know, I, I think what's important is that we can be people of healing mm-hmm. and, and we miss out on that by trying to help. Um, let the Holy spirit convict, you mm-hmm. know, at the end of the day, God knows what sin is. Let him be the one convicting you be the support. You know, Jesus didn't say, you know, the last commandment he gave to his disciples, a new commandment I give you, convict one another, uh, hold each other accountable, uh, make sure. Now, there's tough love, and I'm not saying that that love is is only happy stuff, but he did not say, make sure you find out each other's sins, uh, make sure that you keep each other perfect. He said, love one another the way I loved you. Part of that's calling people out, for sure, but in a loving manner. And And again, how did Jesus love victims? He did not do it. He never had to tell a sinner they were a sinner. Yep. He only had to tell a sinner, go and sin no more. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think that's a great note to end on. So, Tony, thank you for talking with me about this. Um, if you would, please, you can you can subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, most other podcatching apps. Um, I'm also going to figure out how to get this on Amazon's uh, podcasting affiliate so that you can access it on Alexa. That's yeah, quite um, good. If quite you subscribe, good. please, please leave a review on iTunes. Um, it really helps. I don't have very many, um, especially after the duplicate issue. So please leave a review. Um, thank you guys so much for can listening. We, can uh, we admit that we'll give a, a shout out if like for every review? Oh yeah, every review will hundred percent get a shout out. At this point, at least we'll be like, yeah. yeah. Reviews are really helpful. Period. Even if you hate us, though, I would prefer if you hate us to just email me instead. Maybe personal. <laughs> um, but uh, Tony, how can people connect with you? Uh, man, um, you can find me. Uh, man, I'm not really on Facebook. You can hit Twitter. me up. Just Twitter, yeah, Twitter at Tony uh, underscore Nobly. Um, yeah. yeah, just just find me up. Um, uh, I follow the I follow the pod. Uh, uh, yeah, and his Twitter will be in the show notes. Yeah, so so, so you'll get me. Um, you can find me at Ryan One Eight Zero Becker. You can. We also have a Patreon if you want to if you want to support this financially. www.patreon.com/slash/absurdity/podcast as well as a Facebook, facebook.com slash Absurdity Podcast. You can go hit us with a like over there. Um, post all the new episodes up there as well. So thank you guys so much for listening to Absurdity, and we will talk to you next week. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.